Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Scram, the podcast passionate about the Scottish food and drink scene. I'm your host, Ross and Derskin, and I hope you've had a wonderful Christmas. We're still in party mode for another little while on this episode as we're talking about cocktails. More specifically, we're talking to Ian McPherson of Edinburgh's Panda and Sons about his career, the cocktail business, trends, and what to expect from cocktails in 2024 and beyond. My suspicion that working in bars has become more of a solid career choice in recent years thanks to improvements in pay, conditions and opportunities is confirmed in this chat. Ian tells me about the fascinating work he's been doing around using freezing processes in cocktails, having gone to great lengths to study the science and craft behind it all. When I went to do the concept of Hoot the Redeemer, we wanted to make ice cream with alcohol in it. And I love ice cream, but I didn't necessarily know how to make it really well. So actually I went to the Gelato University, which is a thing in Bologna to study. You know, I even went down to the University of Reading to study science of ice cream. But actually going in there with the bartender's brain, I suddenly realized actually there's so much more we could do. I thought it'd be really fun just making ice cream, but it was really like science forward, like proper classroom courses. And I really opened my eyes to actually thinking we can do a lot here. I also find out how it feels for him and his team to be the recipients of numerous awards and accolades, including Panda and Sons being named one of the top 50 bars in the world. I'm joined by Ian McPherson of Panda and Sons in Edinburgh. Hi Ian, how are you? I'm great, Ross. How are you getting on? Yeah, good, thank you. So we were talking in sort of mid-December, just in the lead up to Christmas, but this is going to go out just after Christmas. So we'll chat a little bit about the festivities um, in Hogmanay. But before we get into all that, could you just give me a little bit of your background and your career to date and how you got to where you are just now? Yeah, so I'm I'm based in Edinburgh and, you know, I've got three amazing bars here. One's Pandan Sons, which is probably our most kind of recognised bar on a global side of things. And then we've got Hoot the Redeemer, just kind of more of a kind of whimsical, fun kind of bar. And then we have Nauticus, which is our kind of pub, which is championing all things Scottish. And yeah, I started off briefly at The Outsider, doing dispense bar there. And then I moved to the Voodoo Rooms back in 2007. And yeah, I started off as a glass wash there. But there was such an amazing team at the Voodoo Rooms at the time that really kind of um, inspired me and got me really hooked on the love of hospitality and and making cocktails. So yeah, I moved my way up to general manager there. And then, yeah, 10 years ago, decided just to take that risk and open Panda and Sons. So for anyone that doesn't know, um, Panda and Sons is a speakeasy bar in Edinburgh. From the street, it doesn't look like what it is when you can get into the bar. So back then, was that something quite new for Edinburgh and Scotland in general? Yeah, back then, I was, I, was, I, was, I think I was very fortunate because I was doing a lot of cocktail competitions at the time and thankfully was being quite successful at them. So that allowed me the opportunity to travel to some amazing cocktail cities like New York and it kind of really opened my eyes to seeing what, you know, these cities were up to and kind of helped me identify, you know, little gaps and what maybe Edinburgh wanted and didn't necessarily have yet. So that's where I kind of developed Panda and Sons to be this kind of like, you know, family 
vibe, you know, very friendly, all walks of life are welcome, you know, they get the best cocktails, but in a very kind of relaxed atmosphere and really kind of bringing that really top Scottish hospitality to our guests as well. And why is it called Pandan Sons? Pandan is my nickname. I'm of mixed race background, so my dad's Scottish from Pitlochry and um, my mum's from South Korea from a city called Incheon. So we all had kind of animal names at school and that, that was my name. And the Sons was more actually a continuation of my family's business. So my great-grandfather, grandfather and uncle had a shop called McPherson & Sons, which was a grocery in Pitlochry. And unfortunately, it kind of closed down a couple of years before I opened Pandan Sons. So it was kind of a subtle nod to that kind of family legacy that I want to kind of continue that in a different way. Nice. And Hoot the Redeemer is quite a funny one as well. Yeah. So Hoot the Redeemer, we actually developed, or I developed from lucid dreams. So, you know, I like sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night at like 3 a.m., got a really clear idea of your dream and then you fall back asleep and you can't quite remember it when you fully wake up. So one of my friends taught me to kind of write down little notes you know you can train yourself to when you wake up at 3 a.m to write it down and fall back asleep so then when when you do wake up you've got this kind of memory point to remember the dreams and it's quite funny i'd highly recommend doing it because sometimes you write in a language that doesn't exist but sometimes you come up with some really cool ideas and in this case it was this kind of twist on that film big with tom hanks but everything was like adult version so you're in this kind of fun fair you know the the ice creams had alcohol in them the games were for playing for cocktails slushies with booze in them and so it's this kind of like fun fair childhood memories but twisted into an adult form so that's kind of where that came from and my business partner sam's favorite animals an owl so that hoot also playing the words means a party as well so you know kind of party saves all was kind of the the angle so but like we say, Pandan Sons opened 10 years ago and obviously it was, was quite a, a big deal for Edinburgh. And we're looking at cocktail culture now in, in cities, especially in Scotland, it's I feel like it's come a long way since I started going out, which was round about the early noughties as well. So how would you say the scene in Edinburgh has changed in that time in terms of you know cocktails and the way people sort of consume? Yeah, I think historically, if you look at the early noughties, that's really when the kind of the second wave of boom of cocktail love started. But Edinburgh was actually quite far ahead. You know, you had the lights of London and New York, but actually in terms of that phase, actually Edinburgh was one of the first ones to really move. Like you have, I think Bramble just celebrated their 17th birthday like two weeks ago. And, you know, like places like The Villager, Dragonfly were kind of pioneers back in those days. But yeah, but I think we've always had great bartenders and we've had good bars. But yeah, as you said, it's continuing to improve we've got some amazing bars obviously mine slightly biased but you know you've got other amazing bars like hey palu dragonfly which is like and it's kind of reborn with the new owners there i think it's doing a great job and you know even like you know good restaurants are now delivering i think really good cocktails where probably in the past i was always an afterthought for the top restaurants and would you say being a bartender as well like it's one of those things almost a bit like going into hospitality people maybe start off thinking oh it's what i do while i'm studying or until i get like a real job but now it's maybe developed into something it's way more like a craft like i've seen it becoming a bit more like a chef like people are making syrups and like going foraging for ingredients and it's becoming way more sort of in depth than potentially it was before yeah absolutely you know i think we have such a highly skilled job you know i think thankfully you're seeing that pay increase kind of hopefully getting there to align with the actual skill set needed to be a top level bartender you know and i remember even like when i was opening up panda and sons and even then my, my dad i think it was like two weeks before we opened was like son you can still walk away from this 
you know, and he wasn't really quite understanding the, the that this is an amazing career you can have in bartending. And yeah, I think now you're starting to see like, you know, thankfully the minimum wage is increasing to a good level, but then you've got things like real living wage. And I think that's what we've always believed in since day one at Panda and Sons was always to pay more than the minimum wage. We wanted to people to realize that this is a career. It's not just a, as you said, a stopgap to something else, you know, and I think it gives you the opportunity to travel around the world. You know, you learn your craft here and then you can move to like, you know, New Zealand, Australia, Europe. So it is a really good career. And then obviously if you do want to move on, like there's other great steps to like opening your own bar or even working for a brand. So you've just in the last few months launched a new cocktail menu and it's quite innovative. So can you talk us through that, but also your process of how you create new cocktails? Yeah, so our menu Transcends released earlier on this year. And it's all, all about freezing techniques. So I guess the precursor to this was actually Hoot the Redeemer was actually the first thing that really kind of twigged my memory of this because when I went to do the concept of Hoot the Redeemer, we wanted to make ice cream with alcohol in it. And I love ice cream, but I didn't necessarily know how to make it really well. So actually I went to the Gelato University, which is a thing in Bologna Italy, to study. You know, I even went down to the University of Reading to study science of ice cream. But actually going in there with a the bartender's brain, I suddenly realized actually there's so much more we could do. I thought it'd be really fun just making ice cream, but it was really like science forward, like proper classroom courses. And I really opened my eyes to actually thinking we could do a lot here. We always look at the top restaurants, top chefs, and we try and adapt their techniques. I think like sous vide is a really classic example of this. But if you're constantly looking at the kitchen, you're not really going to see much to do with flavor creation with freezing because you know apart from ice cream gelato i've had a weird frozen siberian fish when i was in russia many years ago and that you know there's not a lot but i think that's what i realized now like we can create a lot more with freezing and that that's what we're trying to promote and transcend so each chapter is kind of um based around one technique so we've got uh, freeze concentration which is a really old technique and then we've got things like freeze drying we released a new technique with the menu called Suppression, which is our kind of freezing alternative to sous vide. And then also we got our thing, which was our first kind of technique called switching, which we released about six or seven years ago as well. And um, we, but we, we don't try and bore people with like overload them of information. We've kind of designed it to be if they are interested, they can read that side. If they don't care, they can go straight to the cocktails and, and order those instead. For anyone that doesn't really know, so sous vide in a kitchen is where it's a water bath, is that right? Yeah, exactly. That, that, there's, there's kind of two parts. Um, so you have like, so sous vide, firstly, you usually have this kind of vacuum chamber which sucks the air out, and that kind of creates this kind of infusion process. And then the second part is that water bath, and that, that kind of creates this kind of marrying of the flavors. So those are the two goals we were looking at. Like, so what can we do with freezing that's similar? And for a long time, I always thought about, you know, like, especially in Scotland, in the winter, first pipes, you know, that's quite a common thing here. And I was thinking, well, what is the energy generated from this, from the, the water expansion? And I, I kind of realized how powerful, how much energy was created. So I was like, is there a way we can kind of contain this? And that's where we found these kind of like two to five liter stainless steel kegs, which are strong enough. And then what we do here is we add all our cocktail and, you know, say we want to infuse, you know, apricots or plums. We put them in as well, sliced, and then we fill it right to the top and tighten it and chuck it in the freezer. And then what this does is when it's expanding, it's trying to escape, but then instead it actually goes into the fruit. So that's again like mimicking that kind of that vacuum, getting rid of the air. And then when it's fully frozen, all the flavors kind of suspend. And then when it defrosts, they combine together. So that's kind of 
doing the same goal as what the water bath does. But if you did the same cocktail with sous vide and sous pression, you'd still get two completely different cocktails. But it was just us trying to kind of do the same goals. You've won numerous awards um, and you were recently in the top 50 bars in the world, which is amazing. How, how does that make you feel and how, how do your team, like how, what does it do for you and, and your team when, you, when you're in those lists or winning those awards? Yeah, I mean, it makes me really proud and, uh, and I'm just really, really happy for the team. You know, they, they've worked, we've all worked together as a team really, really hard. You know, we're not necessarily going out of way to win, but it's just nice to get that acknowledgement that people on a global scale are appreciating what we do. And I, and I think also it's a really good thing to it's reflecting on actually how good Edinburgh or, or Scotland's bartending scene is, you know, and it's it's hard to be on these lists. You know, there's more and more amazing bars opening year on year, you know, even our menu was, you know, top four and the spirited awards in, in the world. And, you know, we've been, as you said, various other awards and it's just, just great. I think you know, on a macro scale for the city and yeah, just, just for the team, I think it's just a nice kind of morale booster, especially like times like this, especially in Scotland when, you know, hospitality has been kind of hit a bit hard with regulations and stuff recently. It's just nice to kind of Give, give ourselves a bit of positivity. And do you find the community is quite collaborative? Like, can you, if someone comes to you and asks for advice on, like, you know, the process that you're using, is it quite collaborative or are you still, you know, quite competitive? I think there's, it's important to have that friendly competitiveness, but I think, you know, what I've been trying and like, the community is, is like, it's just sharing your knowledge. You know, I, I travel around the world talking about my techniques, how to do them. People message me on Instagram, you know, hey, I'm stuck on this part of this technique. Can you help me? Of, of course. I think for our whole scene to progress, we need to be sharing knowledge. I think, thankfully, you're seeing this whole like secret recipe and kind of cloak and dagger and smoke and mirrors of techniques and how they're creating things is kind of diminishing, thankfully. So I think the more people share, the better. And at the end of the day, I think what's so great about Edinburgh is you go to all the different bars and everyone's just doing their own thing. So even though we help each other, I think everyone's still got their own kind of USP, their own kind of passions as well. We are coming into the new year eventually. Do you see any sort of trends or anything that's maybe going to come up and be maybe something that people are going to be drinking in 2024 or or maybe not drinking because, you know, non-alcoholic things are becoming quite big as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for the non-alcoholic thing. It's just been normalized finally, which is really good. And there's some really good non-alcoholic brands out there. But actually, I think in terms of trends, freezing techniques, again, I'm trying to push that. But we're seeing that in a big adoption scale, probably in the top level. But on the kind of broader scheme of things, um, I think highballs, you know, from traveling around the world, you're starting to see people wanting these kind of like longer drinks, you know, like soda water in them which i think is really nice so you know it's kind of leaning into that kind of low and no abv cocktails but it's kind of that mid you know people because it's diluted a lot more really nice and effervescent refreshing light clean so i think we're going to see more and more of that i think you know things like a whiskey highball or even things like a paloma you're starting to see in so many menus everywhere around the world at the moment and i think it's going to continue i was kind of hoping for the martini but then that's really alcoholic <laughs> so well, maybe you, not you and me both i love a martini as well so you need to come to pandas and try our panda martini I do, yeah. And also, I've been drinking a lot of sherry, which my friends find hilarious, like I'm some old woman, but I love sherry as well. So. Honestly, they'll be changed soon. Sherry is the best. We've got quite a few sherry drinks on our on our menu, and we, we have a sherry-based drink on, on our mirror on the back bar that we it's a pride and possession since day one, so it, um, 
we're sherry lovers as well. So if you weren't in Edinburgh, obviously in any of your own bars, where where would you like to go around Scotland? Like, would you do you have bars that you would sort of recommend or sort of hidden gem type things? Yeah, there's like Absent Ear in Glasgow that's doing really well. The Gate in Glasgow is really, really cracking. Kind of, I kind of, I think it's like you know, like Nauticus as well. It's just kind of like I like this new wave of these kind of like modern cocktail pubs. So they are pubs, but they do really great cocktails as well. Aberdeen's got a really, really good scene. Like Orchid, you know, that's another one that's been around for a long time and still kind of pushing Aberdeen. That's great and. Dundee's got a pretty decent scene as well. Um, outside of that, I've not been too many. I know a couple of bartenders in Inverness, but I think you know every year it passes that each of these places are just getting better and better. I think it's really nice to see people getting involved as well. Like before, it was a bit like a Cosmo, or you know, there's nothing wrong with the classics, but like people weren't really up for trying new things. Whereas now, you go into like Absent Ears somewhere, and I go quite often in Glasgow, and it's really busy and it's really buzzy, and it's really nice to see that folk are like into the scene now. Absolutely, and I think that's the power of the internet as well. People have so much resource and um, learning; they can just pick up on you know Instagram or just on on Google or YouTube. So. We're finding clientele really, really kind of educated on exactly what they want, like niche brands, you know, it's not just people calling for a Jack and Coke. You know, I remember I call it like the lime cordial scale. So like when I first started working at the food rooms, we we're ordering two cases of lime cordial a week because there's that long vodka, you know, craze for a very long time. Now you're barely buying one bottle every six months. So I think that kind of shows that advancement in terms of clientele's like palates and yeah, it's great. You know, as you said, like a martini, people love martinis. For finding that a lot more popular, old fashions, bitter drinks like Negronis, that kind of variation side of things, it's, it's really amazing to see. Uh, so as we head into 2024, what are your plans for the future? Are you going to open any new bars? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we, we do have a fourth bar we've never opened yet. We were fortunate enough to be able to acquire it just before lockdown. But I think we're going to continue doing our innovation with Panda and Sons and doing some really cool stuff and knowledge sharing education but yeah I think growth I'm, I'm a bit hesitant you know I don't want to talk too negatively but I think next year is going to be tough if not tougher than it has been this year so for us it's about getting to 2025 and then we can look at um, growth and growing through things but one thing I'm enjoying so much at the moment is seeing all these amazing restaurants opening up and it's, it's great you know like Tim Biard just opened up their new restaurant Montrose and I'm dying to check it out same with the Azel Group. They've got opened up Layla. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for all these people opening. But yeah, for us, we're just kind of being a bit more cautious. But that's probably me overthinking everything. Would the fourth bar be in Edinburgh? Yeah, it will be in Edinburgh. It's in Edinburgh. Yeah, I thought about Glasgow, but I think I just don't... We're, we're, you know, we're so close together and we're, we are all Scottish, but I think the we're, we're both quite different and, and I'm just worried I'm just not going to get it and then people are just going to be annoyed at me there. So I think it's just a slight hesitance from my side, but I, I would never rule out opening Glasgow. Um, I do love that city. So, And I think the music scene, the, the food and drink scene there has exploded at the moment. I think it's a really exciting time to be in Glasgow. So yeah, I wouldn't rule it out, but the next one will be in Edinburgh. Well, if you change your mind, the odd bins down Hindland Street has just shut down and I would love a cocktail bar down there. So <laughs> I'm saying that to everyone. <laughs> have a look. So as we go towards Hogmanay and people are maybe going to be at home or just enjoying some drinks, whether it's Hogmanay or not, over the festive period, what would you recommend as a sort of easy to make cocktail for at home? Yeah, I think now with this weather, we're getting into that kind of you know colder vibe. So I really love having these kind of 
warmer drinks. So I think gin's still very much popular. But the good thing about a kind of hot, in this case, gin toddy, you can kind of replace the spirit quite easily with, you know, whiskey, bourbon, if you want to go tequila, vodka. So you kind of do like 50 ml gin. I generally do 15 mils of honey, about 10 mils of lemon juice, a couple of cloves, maybe a stick of cinnamon. And then you kind of top it up with hot water and then give it a wee stir and then have it in a mug. And it's just, um, it's just a really delicious drink. And it's one you can kind of make in a bigger bowl as well, hot, big kind of hot bowl, you can have like those kind of soup things and then just kind of hand it out from there. So it's a good one you can do for parties and just to keep you warm and a little bit boozed up at night time. And that will keep you warm. What are you up to for Hogmanay? I take it you guys are open and working and all the rest of it. Yeah, so um, at Nauticus, we've got, we're opening, well, thankfully all the bars got late licenses. Panda and Sons we are as well. Hoot the Redeemer is actually the first time we're reopening in a while because Hoot's a bit of a tricky one because we're like inside the street party but not within the street party. We're like in this kind of service lane. So it's a bit tricky, but... I guess if it's a quick shout, if anyone does want to go to Hoot, let us know. We'll, we will have access tickets and we'll have people waiting at the security entrances to let you in. But yeah, I'll, I'll be kind of dotting between the three bars, making sure everything's, everyone's happy and um, just helping where I can. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And as always, looking forward to seeing the firework display. And is there any sort of competitions and awards coming up in 2024 that you're sort of looking forward to as well? Yeah, one is like a kind of cocktail Oscars is the Spirited Awards, and that's based in New Orleans as part of Tales of the Cocktail, which is probably the biggest cocktail conference and an education kind of party platform. It's one that's eluded us so far. So it's one I'd really like. We've always been top four, which is, again, really huge being a top four. because you kind of go from like you submit, you go top 10 regional, which is kind of like continents, and then you go top 10 international, then top four, and then there's a winner. So there's quite a lot of rounds. So to get top four is really hard, but hopefully next year we're going to go again and, and see. Um, but then there's also great ones in the UK. I think Class Magazine do do a great one um, in terms of that's probably the biggest, the Class Awards in terms of that. Thankfully, we won at one of those awards last year. Um, cocktail Comps, there's some really amazing ones like Patron Perfectionists, is a really, really big one. And, you know, the trip to represent UK and go over to Mexico is a trip of a lifetime. You know, there's other ones that have always been amazing, like Diageo do one called World Class, which is probably the biggest cocktail comp and probably the hardest one to kind of win. So I'm going to be kind of pushing my my teams to enter various competitions and, and we'll see. Nice. Well, it sounds like an exciting time. What are you going to do for New Year's? What's your plans? Are you coming through to Edinburgh or are you going to be in Glasgow? Do you know, I've never done New Year in Edinburgh ever. And I'm, I'm from Fife, so no. It's because you end up stuck there for you can't get home because um, there's no trains. I am spending it with my family up in um, Perthshire. So my sister's got two young boys and she always kind of struggles to know what to do in between the Christmas and New Year time. So we're all getting together and just having probably quite a low-key celebration because they're quite young so but no I'm just looking forward to being off work <laughs> which I probably shouldn't say yeah no no I mean me too like I mean I'm never not working but I'm actually off to to Mexico tomorrow for for an actual holiday so I'm looking forward to that getting a bit of sunshine and then coming back just before just before Christmas so yeah it should be good drink lots of tequila margaritas and just kind of live it up a bit over there so yeah I'm looking forward to that too yeah, that's another thing that's gone mad, isn't it? Like really good quality tequila. Because most people are like, oh God, I can't drink that. But actually it's okay. It's good when it's good. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, that's a good topic actually. Because 
everyone's always been talking about what's going to be the next gin, you know, and I think always everyone's been kind of banking on it being rum. Tequila has grown so much, you know, I've seen it, like, especially Blanco tequila is an actually like good quality, 100% agave. Tequila is like, I think actually, not that I want to talk about COVID too much, but people were making a lot of cocktails at home. And I think actually from that, even touching on what we we're talking about earlier about, you know, people researching and knowing what they want. But I think this really helped that. And I think margarita was probably like one of the most popular drinks to be made at home at that time. So yeah, I think since, since coming out and everything being reopened, you're, you're seeing such a huge demand. Even like this beginning of this year, there was like a tequila shortage. No one could get anything, especially of a quality. And the problem was it was kind of the spiraling out of control because every time it came back in stock, everyone was then ordering three, four times more than what they needed because they were trying to hoard. And then it went out of stock again. It was just this downward spiral of people hoarding and um, buying it, I guess, kind of, I guess it was like the Mac 2 of the toilet roll crisis, but in this case, tequila. But um, yeah, it, it was crazy. But thankfully, we were able to get tequila again. But yeah, absolutely. I think talking about trends, um, we're talking about highballs, like tequila is going to continue continue its growth in the UK market for sure. Good. So goodbye, terrible tequila slammers. Hello, good tequila exactly. cocktails. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know why. I don't know what scientific background is it, but if you just drink good tequila... You do, really don't get as bad a hangover as you would just on a, a normal night out. So it's definitely one I try and do, but it's hard to stick to this one one spirit. But it, do, it does it does work. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to shy over Christmas and see how I feel. Get angry, message me the next day. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Ian. Um, it's been great to chat, and I'm um, looking forward to seeing what happens in 2024. Um, and yeah, have a, I would say have a good Christmas, but we will be putting this out after Christmas. So have a good New Year. You too. Have a great one. Thanks. Thanks for listening and for being with us in 2023. The team at Scran are looking forward to bringing you many more tales from Scotland's thriving food and drink scene in 2024. Happy New Year! Thanks to Ian for being my guest on this episode and thanks to you too for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Scran. Scran is a logical podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton.